0: Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hey there, ladies and gents, Frank Fleck here from Ethical Property Partners, the place where we help you to earn annual returns on your properties on a monthly basis. Welcome to the Sophisticated Property Investing podcast. And in this episode, it's just me, no guests today, because I have a topic that. I don't think there is an expert that I can call upon to quiz about this. And so instead of bringing someone in and it's just chewing the fat about it, which we sometimes do on the podcast, I've decided to ramble at you, give you every single angle, every single conceivable angle. I'm going to also give you examples of people who have done this particular aspect of property investing it's the most important aspect of property investing in my opinion in different ways successfully because there's no right or wrong so what am i talking about i'm talking about the fourth pillar of your property investing business some of you regular listeners to the podcast will know about the four pillars pillar one we have got our sales and marketing which is finding properties, finding motivated vendors, et cetera. Pillar two is the conveyancing and finance. So that's getting the deals through legals and paying for the properties, whether it's vendor finance, whether it's private investors, whether it's mortgage, bridging, whatever the financial mechanisms you're using to purchase the property. That's pillar two, conveyancing and finance or legals and finance and then you've got pillar three which is your refurbishment or development so that's any works you do to the property in order to let it out and then pillar four is your monetization and today I'm going to be speaking about pillar four and what we talk about on the partnership is that you should really be spending 25% of your time on each of those four pillars and if you're not then you don't have a balanced investment business and things are probably going to go awry so if you're sat there at the moment thinking well I don't spend enough time in pillar two or in pillar four then you're probably not maximizing your profits and you're probably not operating your business in as safe and as a reliable manner as you could be otherwise so within that pillar four monetization there's a lot it's where you actually make your money hence the name but the question that i get asked all the time by novice investors and indeed new partners is should i be managing my properties myself or should i be employing a letting agent and I deliberately say a letting agent because the majority of your properties, if you're building a sizeable portfolio, the majority of your properties are going to be single ASTs. So, family lets, let's call them. So, that's where you've got one, two adults in a property, perhaps with a few kids, living as a single family unit ordinarily. Now, when I say the majority of your properties are going to be like those, well, that's assuming you're investing in a diverse range of properties. If you've specialized in blue-collar HMOs, for example, then of course you're not going to have the majority of your properties as single STs. You're going to have all of your properties as blue-collar HMOs. So I'm assuming that you're adopting a fairly broad diverse investment strategy which is the investment strategy that I recommend by the way far far safer and far less likely to be mortally wounded by a change in legislation or a change in the environment etc Um, if you are nice and diverse it's going to take you longer to get to financial freedom for sure but definitely safer so I'm going to make that assumption that you have a pretty diverse portfolio, that you're focusing on motivated vendors. And of course, motivated vendors have all different types of properties. And so you're going to buy all different types of properties because your vendors, the vendors that you come across who are motivated are going to have everything from one bedroom apartments to five bedroom detached houses to commercial premises, etc. So you're going to have a nice diverse portfolio, which is what I have because that's the way that I've built my portfolio by focusing on finding motivated vendors. So back to this question, to use a letting agent or not to use a letting agent, I'd like you just to pause for a minute and think to yourself, what are you doing in your current portfolio? So if you have properties, if you have one or more buy to let properties, how do you currently monetize it do you control that monetization directly i.e you manage the property or properties yourself or do you delegate that responsibility to a letting agent and just pause for a moment and, and if you if it's safe to do so jot it down jot down Yet yeah, I have a letting agent or I have a letting agent do this many of my properties or this percentage of my properties I have a letting agent do the vast majority of my properties I actually personally manage in-house I say personally it's not me it's my team we in-house manage about 10% of our portfolio, 10 to 12%. I'm just working out the numbers now. So not a great number, but a, a a few of the properties, and it's for various reasons. Sometimes we had a tenant before we even completed on the purchase, and so it seems a bit silly to hand over eight percent of the rent to a letting agent. Sometimes it's a holiday let, and so we don't want to give that to an agent, we want to manage ourselves, etc. etc. So now that you've taken a pen and paper if it's safe to and written down what you currently do. Now, if you don't have a portfolio and you're listening to this because you want to get into sophisticated property investing and you want to build a portfolio, then write down how you're planning to manage your properties. Are you planning to manage them yourself or are you planning to delegate that responsibility to an agent? So now that you've written that down i'm going to give you my thoughts on the pros and cons of each and as i said at the start there's no right or wrong answer here i think there are wrong combinations so there's no right or wrong answer i'm not on this podcast going to say using a letting agent is right or managing yourself is right i'm not coming down on one side of the fence but what i can tell you is I have seen individuals choose the wrong option for them. So there is a right or a wrong way, depending on your situation. I'm gonna talk you through the factors that you should be considering when making that decision. So let's start off with the different categories of investors. And I generally class them in about three different classes. So the first is a newbie investor. It's someone with one to probably four properties, maybe five. So I I class those as newbie investors. Now, it doesn't really matter if they've had those properties for five or ten years. They're still a relative newbie investor. And And the reason for that is I talk about experiencing lettings as management months so if you have one property for a year you have 12 management months under your belt and that's very very little in the scheme of properties because (laughs) you'd be really unlucky if this happened to you in 12 management months you're probably not going to have a boiler break you're probably not going to have a significant structural issue you're probably not going to have a bad payer of rent unless you're not on top of your rental collections and we'll talk about that later but you're probably not going to have a bad egg in terms of tenant you're probably not going to have malicious damage and you're probably not going to have to evict a tenant so those are like five pretty big things that can happen now there are other things that can happen cannabis farms uh, i've had two of those now in my properties never one that i've managed by the way always one that Uh, agents have managed which is so funny because you'd think that they would be on top of that kind of thing Um, you're also liable for um, potentially having squatters etc so lots of things that could happen but if you only have a property one property for one year the likelihood is none of that's going to happen unless you're not doing your job properly and we'll come on to that in a bit however if you have 10 properties for one year, you've now got 120 management months. The likelihood is that one or two of those things could happen in that year, if you've got 10 properties in that 120 management months. Now, if you have 10 properties for 10 years, now we've got, instead of 120 management months, we've got 1,200 management months, and now it'd be really unlikely if some of those things haven't happened to you, because... 1200 management months that's 1200 times that a tenant has the opportunity to not pay you that a boiler could stop working so that's 10 years when come autumn all your tenants going to turn their boilers on again the likelihood is one of them isn't going to fire up that you could have an issue with a roof you could have an issue with water penetration that doesn't get reported you could have an issue with subsidence the likelihood is you're going to have a problem in 10 years with 10 properties. So I talk about management months. So five properties or less for a relatively short period of time, that's a newbie investor because they haven't got many management months under their belt. Also, you can hold down five properties, managing five properties quite easily on top of a full-time job. It really doesn't take very long. You probably even if you're not very systemized, you know, if you're just using a spreadsheet, if you're keeping a lot of it in your head, you're just using your mobile phone and your email account, you probably manage those on an hour a week quite easily. So that's class one of property investors, the the newbies. Then you've got the semi-professional landlords. So they're kind of getting to a level where, it's replacing their income they're thinking about quitting their job they might have quit their job already or they're they're maybe gone from five days a week to two days a week or if they're a couple maybe one of them's jacked in the day job one of them's carried on working so we're probably at the level of maybe 10 properties maybe 15 maybe eight so that kind of a ballpark and it does depend on the properties if if there's a few um HMOs in there then that's going to bump up the income. It's also going to bump up the number of tenants, it's Going to bump up the amount of management required, etc. There's a few holiday lets in there. So it does depend if, if they were just 10 flats and they'd only had them for a year, then I'd probably say they're more like a newbie than, than this semi-pro investor. But you can see if you've had 10 properties for five years and two of them are holiday lets and two of them are HMOs, that's a pretty experienced landlord. And then you get to the full-blown professional landlord. And at this level, we're talking about 20 plus properties, for a significant period of time, and of course, if you've had twenty, if you've got twenty plus properties in your portfolio, you've probably not been investing for six months. You've probably built those up over a, a number of years—at least two, three, four years—to get to that kind of level. Ordinarily, now I'm not drawing a line in the sand and saying if you've got six, then you're semi-pro, and if you've got five, you're still a novice. Of course, it's not as clear-cut as that, but I think it's worth having those rough cat- categories in our mind as we think through whether someone should use a letting agent or not so let's kick off with the novice now the problem with the novice is they don't know what they don't know and you've heard me talk about the competency matrix before but i'm going to touch on it here when you start off doing something You are incompetent at it. It doesn't matter if it's a two-year-old tying their shoelaces, or if it's someone who's never invested in property before, who's investing in their first property, or if it's someone going on the stock market and buying some shares for the first time. It really doesn't matter. You are incompetent because you've never done it before. And (laughs) you're unconscious in your incompetence. You're unconsciously incompetent, i.e., a two-year-old doesn't know that they can't tie their shoelaces because they haven't comprehended that everyone ties their shoelaces. They don't probably even know that they're wearing shoes because they're two. And it's the same as a novice investor. They don't know what they don't know. If I tried to invest in Bitcoin tomorrow without doing any research, I don't know what I don't know. I could <laughs> I could buy some pretty coins off the internet that don't even exist. That would be quite highly likely. I could buy a coin, you know, I could probably name 3 different um currencies and I could buy one that's widely known to be crashing at the moment and lose half my money in the next 48 hours. That's how unconsciously incompetent I am at cryptocurrency investing. And so the novice investor doesn't know what they don't know. They're unconsciously incompetent. So if they start using a letting agent, and the problem here is they're likely to use a letting agent because they know they haven't got any experience. The problem is most letting agents, in my experience, have great intentions and I speak as someone who has been a letting agent before. I ran my own letting agency. Um, when I first got into property, I managed 50 odd properties, none of which, uh, one or two of which were mine, actually, two of which were mine. Um, so mostly for other people. And... Did a rubbish job Even though I think I'm a nice guy And I certainly tried my socks off I worked my socks off To be a good letting agent But I was absolutely dire Um because it's a hard job it's a really really hard job it's really tight margins um and don't get me wrong i went and did all my exams i was qualified i had my little arla logo on my, my business card i was so proud and um, you could tell i came from a, an academia background first thing i did was go and get my my examinations i wouldn't dream of bothering to get examinations now but that's so funny that i thought that was important um, and some of the people I sat down with go, right, have you got your ala qualifications? Like, yes, I have. Oh, great. We can talk to you then. So funny. Yeah, really made me laugh. Some of the lawyers were like that and mortgage brokers as well. Anyway, most letting agents talk a great talk and fail to walk the walk. And whether it's that they aren't good enough at business whether they're in the wrong business whether they're not experienced enough as letting agents or not experienced enough as investors sometimes they can be really experienced investors but rubbish as letting agents there's a whole host of reasons sometimes they're brilliant but get too busy and aren't good enough at bringing on team and so they get too busy and then they their service levels drop so there's a lot of reasons why letting agents with the best will in the world really good people who are working as letting agents can do a rubbish job And so I don't believe they intend to, but what I think most people fail to see is that the margins in lettings are so, so tight. So a lot of the properties that I bought 10 years ago, I was, they were worth about a hundred grand and they'd rent for 500 quid. Now they're, they're renting for a bit more now, but at 8%, You're earning £40 a month on that. Now for that £40, they've got to do quarterly inspections. They've got to do move-ins. They've got to do checkouts. They've got to collect the rent, check it's come in. They've got to create a statement and send that statement to me. They've got to arrange any maintenance. So if the tenant phones up and says there's a problem, someone's got to answer the phone. They've then got to phone the maintenance guy, the plumber or the, the, the handyman. They've then got to liaise between the two to arrange a convenient time. They've got to pay the handyman's invoice. They've got to amend the statement to claim or deduct the money from the handyman's invoice from my rent. And before you know it, they're, they're, they're loss making. It's very, very hard to make um, profit in a letting agency until you get to scale. And that's why ordinarily, if I'm choosing a letting agent, I go with big corporates because the corporates, and it can be a franchise or it can be company owned, so nation nationally owned, they do have the systems behind them. They might not have the passionate, enthusiastic business owner who's going to go the extra mile but they will get the basics right and they will have systems in place to make sure the basics are done right. (laughs) Although I've seen some real clangers and I'll talk to you about those in, in a little while. So the problem with a novice going for a letting agent is most letting agents are quite poor. If I class my best ever letting agent as 10 out of 10, and it was a a company called Priest Properties. It was um, Tulloch and Gamsey Priest. They were amazing. Loved working with them in Nottingham. Um, Very successful um, business owners, really intelligent people. Um, Investors themselves, they had a decent sized portfolio themselves and recognized the need for leverage had a business coach helping them in their business for for a lot of the time and did a really good job now the the bad thing about them <laughs> is they sold their business because they recognized they could make way more money way easier in another industry and so (laughs) that that almost proves my point that it's a really hard industry to make money in now not always I am friends with a really high-end letting agent in Nottingham who's now branching out to other cities he generally won't touch a property unless it's at least a thousand pounds a month rent and some of his properties are are three or four thousand pounds a month rent and he typically won't drop below 12% and on some of them he's charging 16% well 16% on a two grand property that's 320 pounds a month and of course a three grand property is probably not going to have as many arrears probably not going to have as much maintenance probably going to have a tenant who's a bit more fearful of getting a CCJ they don't pay their rent etc etc so the irony is if you go up market as a letting agent you make more money more easily and your profit margin is higher even though your turnover is higher whereas at the bottom end of the market where you're dealing with people who might lose their jobs more frequently where people might be on benefits where people often are in problems with credit already and you're earning far less per property you've got more work to do and you're earning less that's a really tight end of the market and unfortunately as an investor I own far more properties that are sub a £1,000 a month in rent than I do properties that are above a £1,000 a month and that's partly because I'm in the East Midlands predominantly so the letting agents that you're likely to employ are likely to be poor I have used 14 letting agents in 14 years I haven't used one a year <laughs> I've been in my most recent ones for about uh, 7 or 8 years now however if priest properties were a 10 out of 10 and my worst letting agent was a one out of 10 where you know if a tenant didn't pay they didn't even notice and they lied to me i've had that before i've had them letting agent lie to me about no we haven't had any complaints well why are environmental health writing to me (laughs) I don't know that must be an unreasonable tenant who's gone straight to environmental health really and then you go and meet the tenant and speak to them and they can barely look you in the eye because they're fuming and then you you see all the mold in the house because the leaking gutter that could have been fixed for a 100 pounds has never been addressed and you say oh it's a shame you didn't tell the letting agent about that gutter but we told them, you know, 20 times, here's us phoning them every day for a month. Here's the phone calls and here are all the emails we sent them. And here's the letter that we sent them. And, and the letting agents lied to you about that. If that's a one out of 10, I'd say most letting agents hover around a four or a five. They really are poor. Most of them, not all of them. Even some of the corporates, I'm using, I'm trying a corporate out with one property at the moment. And they said, oh, we'll do you a really good deal if you give us all of them in in the city that that we're in. They're in Derby. They said, if you give us all your Derby properties, which is about, I think it's about 15 or 20, um, we'll do you a really good deal. And I said, I I wouldn't dream of giving you 15 or 20 properties. I need to see you do really well on one property. Well, we've done great so far. (laughs) And I said gonna be blunt you haven't um you haven't done this and you haven't done this and you haven't done this and on this one thing I've been waiting a week and I oh we'll get right on it but but when you give us 15 or 20 we'll be better and I'm like you you need to be better on this one and then maybe I'll give you a second and then maybe I'll give you a third and so In that context of, these aren't bad people, by the way, it's just a tough business to get right. In that context of most letting agents being poor, as a newbie investor, if you bring on a letting agent, they're probably not going to look after your investment as it should be looked after. They're certainly not going to make it as profitable as it could be, but you're not going to know. So it's very hard to hold them accountable when you don't know what a good job looks like but equally you're not going to learn from them and you need to upskill yourself as a property manager because you need to be able to actively manage your portfolio. Even if you choose to delegate that, you need to know what good looks like from a monetization perspective. So the novice investor, in my opinion, almost always should manage themselves. Now you might think to yourself, but how, how do they know how to manage a property? if they've never done it before and my answer to that is it's not rocket science join the one of the national organizations so the nrla or one of the other landlord associations Um, go read a few books jump on some forums you know 10 hours research and i reckon you can you can go let a property out there are brilliant documentation packs that you can use there is there are checklists you can use it is not rocket science to let a property out legally in a compliant way and in a commercially prudent way and most letting agents get that wrong anyway so if you just do a bit of research if you read two or three books maybe one on compliance one on general lettings one on um property management you'd be absolutely fine as well as joining one of those organizations and they they run seminars they have free pdfs they will provide the a a short short of tenancy agreement to you that is exactly up to date and legally enforceable etc and then you're going to get you're going to do some marketing for a tenant now what i would do is i would use a letting agent to do the tenant find on the property but what you need to do is meet the tenants before you agree to letting them move in, and if you want to go go the whole hog, meet them not at your property but in the property they're currently renting or the property they're currently living in, because then you get a really good feel for do, how do they look after the property? Do they keep it clean? they have pets and of course it's the end of their current tenancy and so you're going to see a really true representation of what they're going to be like tenants now if you think oh come on frank that's a bit over the top you're about to entrust a six-figure investment with these people don't think that it's just a 500 or a thousand pound a month income that you're trust entrusting to them you're entrusting the value of your um property with them and they can do tens of thousands of pounds worth of damage to that property. They can stop paying rent the day they move in. And I promise you, if you're a newbie investor, it could take you 12, 18 months to get them out and oh my goodness, will that be stressful? Will that be costly to you? And so think to yourself, if you make a mistake here, tens of thousands of pounds, this, that mistake might cost you. And all of a sudden, perhaps spending an hour going and having a coffee at their house and getting to know them is worth it. And do not be cajoled by the letting agent. They can't go and do this for their 40 quid a month. They just can't do it. And don't think to yourself, oh, if they're making 100 quid a month. No, if they're making 100 quid a month on each of your properties, then they're paying more in wages. They've not got people on 16 grand a year. They've got people on 22 grand a year. And so it's the same argument. There's not enough margin in it for them to warrant going and checking out a previous property. But that's what you need to do. And that's your first step to building rapport with your tenants and you need a relationship with your tenants the best EPP partners the ones that have the fewest voids the lowest maintenance the um, best relationships with their tenants the lowest arrears are the partners who invest in their relationships they buy a Christmas present for their tenants at Christmas they send them a birthday card when it's their birthday. They give them a gift when they move in. All of that builds that emotional bank account. It builds that relationship. And if you don't know what an emotional bank account is, I've talked about it on other other podcasts. If you want me to do a, a podcast on it, then just pop it in the comments and I'll happily uh, dedicate a podcast to what the emotional bank account is and how you can make deposits in it and reap the, uh, the rewards. But You need to be getting to know your tenants. And so I would say for the little bit of time that's going to take you to manage your first, second, third, fourth, fifth property, it's well worth it. It's not worth um, trying to find tenants yourself. You may as well pay a letting agent a few hundred quid to get it on right move, do a group viewing, select one or two tenants who've paid a deposit, and then for you to protect, for you to choose between those. But from that point on, they're your tenants. Sign them up on your paperwork, not the letting agent's paperwork, would be my suggestion. So you know what's in your AST. You know it's compliant. You know that you've um, given out the how to rent guide. You know that you've given out the um, uh, inventory, the EPC, the um, EICR certificate, the electrical certificate, and that the tenant has signed to say that they've received all of these things. I find this amazing I've just gone into rented property with a, uh, a corporate agent um, I had to chase them I'd been in the property two weeks I had to chase them for the inventory they hadn't sent me the inventory I still haven't seen a EPC I still haven't seen a gas safety certificate and I still haven't received the electrical certificate without those three things they can't evict me now I'm a good guy and a nice tenant. I'm going to pay my rent and I'm going to leave the, con- the property in good condition. But they have got no leverage over me as a tenant now. I could stop paying rent today. It would take them <laughs> possibly years to get me out, especially if I, uh, if I wanted to really be obtuse about living here. Now, that's not how I roll. You know, I'm not wired that way. But some people are the The rent on this property is is not a small amount a month that would amount to tens of thousands of pounds of let lost revenue for the investor now the investor i've met the investor they did a, a walk round with me and um funnily enough they are enrolled on a friend of mine uh property program quite a uh, uh a successful uh, property program uk wide they happen to be enrolled on on his program that poor investor has now got a massive liability in their i think this is their first pro- investment property um, they've got a massive liability. Now I know I'm gonna do the right thing and pay my rent and leave it in good condition. I've like hired a window cleaner, I've hired a, a cleaner for the property, I've got someone doing my ironing and stuff, so it's all gonna be looked after really well. It'll probably be nicer when I leave than when it when I arrived, but it is sloppy. And the problem is sloppiness as a landlord or as a letting agent means you can't evict your tenants, which is a major problem. So you need to know what good looks like and the only way to do that in an industry where mediocre is normal, they they were brilliant at finding me, they were brilliant at getting money off me, they were brilliant at moving me in quickly but that's not where the money's made. The real money is in finding quality tenants who continue to pay and leave when you ask them to leave the property or pay until they leave and leave when they stop paying and that that, that is <laughs> remarkably uncommon. So, newbie investors manage yourself initially is my rule of thumb. Then you get to the semi-professional investors. Now, what, what should these guys do? Well, you're getting to the level where it's going to take you quite a lot of time to manage all your properties yourself you're also getting to the level where you probably haven't got 100% single AST properties. So you're at a bit of a crossroads. If you, this is where there's no right or wrong, by the way. If you choose to manage them all yourself, then you've got quite a lot of work to do. This is going to probably take you half a day, a week now, especially if you've got some high monetization properties. You've got some HMOs, you've got some holiday lets, etc. Now, if you do have some high monetization properties, do not outsource them. Do not delegate them because no one in my experience can manage those as well as you can manage them it's just too time consuming it's just too um, profitable to risk someone messing those up for you Um, you live and die by your reviews on holiday lets and service accommodation so you need to keep those really high and the way you keep those really high is by maintaining great relations with your guests so Phone calls before they come and visit, phone calls after they visit, being really responsive while they're in the property, etc. Now all of that takes time, but that time results in return custom. It results in high ratings and high uh, scores on your reviews, which leads to higher prices and higher occupancy, which leads to higher profits. So I think service accommodation, holiday lets, do it do it yourself, HMOs, do them yourself as well. So what you can do is manage all the single ASTs as well. Now, if you've got 10, 12 properties and you've got a few high monetization ones in there, let's say you've got two high monetization ones that are making you 500 a month, and you've got 10 single ASTs that are making you, let's say 200 a month. You've now got two grand from the ten and you've got another grand from the from the two high monetization ones. So you've got three thousand pounds a month coming in net profit before tax. That is probably enough to replace a mediocre salary. You know, one of you if you're husband and wife, one of you might be on 36 grand a year take home so all of a sudden one of you could give up your job and that's quite a good reason to keep the single ASTs under your direct management if one of you doesn't like your job if one of you wants to have the flexibility of taking the kids to school picking them up volunteering in the school my my son's first year and a half I think it was a year and a half at school i volunteered in his school half a day a week every single week i loved it i was just reading with the the reception class and the first years i was doing science experiments with them really enjoyed just being around my son more than i could if i was in a nine till five for example so that's a good reason to do the 100 you know, percent of the management yourself however that's going to be time-consuming so the other side of the coin is outsourcing the single sts so if you outsource the single sts now you've only got two high monetization properties that you're looking after if if we go with this example of of 12 10 plus 2 which isn't going to take load time and the 10 run-of-the-mill single saint ones, you've got managed by a letting agent. And what that's going to do is give you more time and more focus for your investment business rather than your management business. And it's going to lead to you buying more properties, finding more motivated vendors. Now, that's the route I've always gone down because I've wanted to build my portfolio. I've wanted to buy properties. The real money in property investing is in is when you buy and when you sell, and you make the money when you buy. That's the old uh, proverb, which is absolutely right. So if I'm buying properties at 75%, 65% of market value, in fact, I took my kids to an after-school club today, and the organiser came up to me and said, "Um, Frank, I know you're in property. I've got this problem with my parents' property. Um, I wondered if you can help. And it turns out it's a £530,000 property, and... He's really excited about me buying it off them for 65% of its current value up front and the balance over the next 20 years. That's a half million pound property that I'm buying for 65% of loan to value now. That's an amazing discount. And he's excited about that. I couldn't, I wouldn't have that kind of opportunity falling in my lap. That was just three hours ago at my my son, and my two sons uh, after school club. I wouldn't have that kind of opportunity if I was rushed off my feet, I wouldn't be sat there chatting to the owner because I've got time to just be friendly, because I would be running around doing other stuff, I'd be too tired, I'd be sat having a coffee, I'd be in, in the car having a snooze, I'd be doing something else rather than just relaxing and because I was I relax there every week and um have a chat with the guy he knows what I do he knows that I invest in property which by the way is no coincidence everyone I spend time with knows I invest in property because that's part of my marketing strategy is to have people come to me who already know me who already like me and who already trust me one of my marketing strategies is to get referrals from them. And lo and behold, we're now having a a coffee with his parents. So I have always leveraged my time with a letting agent, but you have to know how the letting agent should be performing in order to manage them effectively. So those are your two options at at the semi-pro level. You can do it all yourself, or you can leverage some of them out to a letting agent but you have to then dedicate some time to managing the letting agent you have to check that the rent's coming in every month for every property that you've got a statement every month for every property and that the maintenance is being done at a reasonable level and it may be that you don't authorize the letting agent to do any maintenance without checking with you first now that seems like micromanagement but you will lose thousands of pounds a year if you give them carte blanche to spend your money as they see fit because they want to maximize their profitability the way the letting agent maximizes their profitability is by minimizing the interaction with the tenant and workman so if they just say yes to the tenant every time the tenant phones asking for something the tenant's gonna be happy and stop moaning the fact that that might have cost you £2,000, which could very easily be your entire profit for the duration of that tenancy, they're not even going to bat an eyelid. They're going to see the fact that you've had £20,000 come in, in rent, and what's just £2,000? Well, actually, that could be the entirety of your profit over a 12-month period, for example. They are not going to care about that. They are still going to make their 8%, 10%, 12% of the rent regardless so your objectives are not aligned the letting agent and the investor do not have the same objectives and it's important to recognize that that's the semi-pro situation as an investor once you get to the pro level and you've got a sizable portfolio you're probably not holding down a day job at this point you're probably full-time investor buying properties regularly focusing on the other pillars of your property investment business and at this level I do think it's a mistake normally to do the management yourself now I have seen it but these investors that do it all themselves or husband and wife team, where they do all the management, they know all the tenants. If you've got 20, 30, 40, 50 properties, it's just a job then and not a very enjoyable one. If, if you're looking for a field good job, I think a florist is like the ultimate field good job. People only come to you generally when they're in a good mood. And when you take the flowers to them, the product, people are really happy to see you. Now I know there are funerals and stuff, but you're still bringing joy and, and a bit of brightness and, and color and happiness to a sad situation. So let's put florist as a feel good professional one end of the spectrum. Letting agent at the other end of the spectrum. You only get phoned when there's a problem. Tenants only phone you when there's a problem. Investors only phone you when there's a problem. Workmen only phone you when there's a problem. It's like, like the ultimate feel bad job. And as a landlord, it's a bit of a thankless task. The media seem to have a pop at you. The general public seem to have a a derogatory view of investors and landlords. Tenants seem to feel that you're that they're hard done by and that you're profiteering. Workmen generally don't like to um, uh, work for investors; they'd rather work for homeowners because they're less price sensitive. It just feels like it's not a very feel-good profession, and if you're at the coalface and dealing with the daily issues, and so. I buy portfolios from a lot of husband and wife uh, teams actually who are just sick and tired of managing the properties but because they've done them for 20 years all of them because they know the tenants intimately and because they know no letting agent could do it as well as they could do it they would rather sell at 75% of what the properties are worth than employ a letting agent which I think is crazy I think they need they should have got better at leveraging earlier on in their career, and then it wouldn't be so hard. I went to um, uh, Central America um, for nine weeks last year. I didn't deal with a single property-related problem other than... (laughs) the police breaking down a door and finding a cannabis factory in one of my properties. (laughs) I did get called about that. And I'm glad I did get called about that. And You know, you might say, Oh crikey, Frank, you're not selling this to us. Yeah. But that's happened twice. I think in the 14 years I've been investing. Um, and was it that big a deal? No, not really. I claimed on my insurance. I had a few months void. Uh, the tenants generally run away at a million miles an hour. um, the police will protect your property until your letting agent gets there and can secure it and change the locks you know it was, it was a little bit of time on the phone from i think i was in costa rica at the time or i can't remember mexico but you know it's, it's not the end of the world so if you've had those kind of horror stories and inverted commas happen to you earlier on in your career you're not scared of them when you're in your 60s and you're you're feeling a bit tired and you want to outsource more of the daily grind. So there are two ways. So let's make it a given that you need to leverage your portfolio management when you get to the professional level. Now, there are two ways of leveraging it. You can either outsource it to a letting agent. Now, please remember what I said about the semi-pro level. You still need to manage a letting agent. I meet with my, man- my um, managing agent about once every two months for two or three hours my bookkeepers sit there and they basically grill him about where's this 50p that was missing off this statement um this tenant paid 10 days late then they paid 16 days late then they pay 28 days late and now you think they're on track but actually they're a whole month behind because they're now paying on the right day of the month but they're behind and it's like oh we hadn't spotted that no you hadn't and that's why I have to pay my bookkeepers to keep on top of you <laughs> which doesn't seem right but my bookkeepers would be rubbish at doing the viewings and doing the inspections and dealing with the maintenance so I kind of think it's a necessary evil to have for me to pay my bookkeepers to check the people that I'm actually paying to do the rent collection, etc. So that's one way of doing it, having a letting agent, but you do need to manage your letting agents. Um, Never have one letting agent. My recommendation is to always have four, even at the semi-pro level. So if you're only letting four properties and you're managing the rest, have each one with a different letting agent because they will get sick, they'll get busy, They'll sell their business. There's a million and one reasons why you might need to stop using them in a hurry. And if they've got your whole portfolio, it is really hard to move a property away from a letting agent. Um, do, by the way, check their terms and conditions and make sure there's no draconian clause in there that says that they get to evict the tenant If you take away um, the management from them, I've had that before in a clause. Couldn't believe it. I asked what the notice period was and they said, well, we've got to give two months notice to your tenant and then we can hand the keys back to you. And I was like, no, 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 I'll keep the tenant. I just want to start managing it myself. And they said, no, in our terms and conditions, we'll have hit the 10. I was like, wow, that is such a penalty clause, which now is not uh, allowed in English law. And it may not have been allowed then, but I probably was a bit uh, wet behind the ears and uh, wasn't going to challenge them at small claims. I bet if I challenged them, they would have uh, backed down. But nevertheless, you need to check your letting agent agreements really closely. So you can outsource to letting agents and then manage letting agents, or you can have your in-house letting agency now at 20 properties it's probably not worth it but at 50 or 60 it may well be worth it because if you're paying let's call it 100 quid a month in commission and that's 50 properties that's five thousand pounds a month that you're paying in letting agent fees you can have a decent bookkeeper and a decent um, negotiator potentially working for you for that kind of money, perhaps not both in the UK, you might have your bookkeeper offshore, because that would be cheaper, so regular listeners will know I've got a a team, I've actually got an employment agency now out in Serbia, and a team um, out there, I've got my PA works in Serbia, she's remote, I've got two bookkeepers out there now, Um, some of my EPP partners and country owners also have team members that I employ um, in Serbia that work, do work for them on a full time basis. So um, you might need to be a little bit canny with keeping your costs down, but you could probably around the 50, 60 market becomes economical to have two people working for you. Now, you don't want one person working for you because it's the wrong skill set. You need a gregarious salesperson to do the actual lettings, signing the people up onto tenancy, selling the properties um, to tenants, dealing with the um, maintenance and, you know, explaining to a tenant why they can't have ABC, you know, why um, oh, I've had all kinds. I won't bore you with the stories, but you can imagine how uh, frivolous some of the requests are from tenants. So you need someone who's got really good interpersonal skills, quite a lot of maturity, hopefully some experience in lettings and investing um, in that role. And then you need someone who's <laughs> not got much people skills at all, who is really focused on the detail, is a bean counter and is going to check every single detail and having those two qualities in one person is pretty much impossible so you need two people which is why you don't want to go down that route when you've only got 20 properties you just haven't got enough margin in it really Um, and if you're a husband and wife team and one of you is happy doing the bean counting and one of you's happy doing the viewings and the inspections and building the rapport of the tenants, that's great. Replace one of you when you get to 20, 30 properties and then replace the other when you get to 50, 60 properties. And uh, voila, you've, you've got your in-house letting agency then. So... Hopefully, guys, that's given you a bit of an overview of how you should be monetizing your properties. And if you start with the end in mind, if you approach your business, even if you haven't bought your first investment property yet, with that mindset of I'm headed to a 50 property portfolio that is managed by four letting agents and I have one bookkeeper that keeps an eye on them, then great, you know where you're headed. If you're headed to a place where you've got 30 properties and you're still doing the the bookkeeping but you've got an in-house person doing the viewings and the the site visits and the the inspections etc then great you know where you're headed and you can build up to that but I think too many people just buy a property and then decide how to monetize it afterwards and then they buy another one and think, oh well I've done this on the first one so I'll do the same on the second one and they either end up managing them all themselves and they get sick and tired of being a landlord a hands-on landlord or they end up with them all with one letting agent which gives the letting agent way too much power way too much control and makes them quite vulnerable unnecessarily if that letting agent goes out of business or I've had this before I had a brilliant letting agency and they were doing a really good job they're great at maintenance a lot of my portfolios 100 year old Victorian terraces and stuff they were brilliant looking after the old houses looking after the tenants at that kind of a demographic level you know quite a low rental Um, they sold out to a letting agent they told me on the day that the deal had completed so they like phoned me in the afternoon saying we've sold let us introduce you to the new owners and um it was um a company that specialized in new build flats so they were rubbish at maintenance they were rubbish at my demographic of tenants. They were just not at all prepared for what um, my portfolio needed. And, and if, if I'd had all my properties with that agent, I would have been absolutely struggling. But because I had a few other letting agents, now I only had two or three with three other agents, but I could I knew which one straight away I wanted to manage the lot. I phoned them up. I did a deal within the day. They actually paid me to move my properties to them, quite a lot of money. I think I got something like the first year's management for free with them um, because they really wanted my business and I knew they were good enough to take that business. So yeah, hopefully guys, that's given you a bit of a blueprint bit of an idea, a bit of food for thought. Hopefully the monologue wasn't uh, too boring for you. Hopefully that engaged your, the old gray matter and got you thinking about where you're at with your portfolio management, where you're at with your fourth pillar of the uh, sophisticated property investing business, i.e. your monetization pillar. And guys, if you've got further questions, just drop a note in the comments or pop on the YouTube channel and pop a question in there and we will do our best to answer it. Until next time. Happy investing. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.